welcome back to the Decal Download Podcast, your source for the latest news and information from the Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning. With Commissioner Amy Jacobs, I'm Reg Griffin. We appreciate you joining us this week and every week. You can always find us at decal.ga.gov or on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and more. Well, it all started with 750 four-year-olds in 1992 under then Governor Zell Miller. Now, 30 years later, it serves over 70,000 students across the state under Governor Brian Kemp. It's Georgia's pre-K program celebrating a milestone birthday this year and laying a solid foundation for academic excellence and future success in the lives of nearly 2 million children. And Commissioner, today we're talking with two project directors whose schools have been participating for 30 years. It's a really an incredible milestone for Georgia Pre-K. And um, you know, my parents were child care owners way back in the day and part of the very early years of Georgia Pre-K. And when I look back, I always say, boy, has it come a long way. So I'm really excited to hear from Marla and Stephanie today on their perspective as well on 30 years of Pre-K. And you know, what I keep thinking about is that there are people out there that are in their professional lives now that started in Georgia pre-K because it's 30 years old. So we've got some 30-year-old folks that, uh, well, even more, 34, I guess, because they'd have to be four years old. So um, in in the program and uh, success stories. So joining us to talk about Georgia's pre-K program and the 30th birthday is Marla Reisman, pre-K project director at North Fulton Child Development Center in Roswell. And Stephanie Thompson is pre-K project director with the Glen County Schools, part of their FACES program, which is Family and Children's Education Services. Ladies, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Let's begin by learning more about each of you. Marla, how long have you been working with Georgia's pre-K program and what led you to the early childhood education field? So I actually moved here from the Midwest um, when the pilot program actually began that fall of 92. So I've been in Atlanta a long time, always found my way back into childcare was the the job that of choice, even though my degree was in social work. Um, So I worked my way up from part-time closer uh, to a full-time toddler teacher, to a team lead, to assistant director, and finally director. Um, I've been working with Georgia Pre-K and overseeing Georgia Pre-K for a total of 16 years in the past 16 years. My current job, I've been there for the last 10 years. Wow. Okay. That's impressive. Stephanie, how about you? Well, I started in Pre-K when I graduated with my teaching certificate in 1995. I've always loved working with young children and um, just have a real strong belief that early education is the key to our children being successful. And um, I've had the privilege of working with children at church as well as um, being a dance instructor in my younger years. Um, um, This is my 27th year in the education field, 12 in the classroom and 15 as an administrator, um, with the vast majority of those years being right here in pre-K in the Glen County School System. So I've had a lot of wonderful mentors that have supported me along the way. And one in particular was my pre-K principal and project director, Sue Williamson. She really shared a lot of information with me and the importance of having that language-rich environment for our children to continue to grow and the importance of building those relationships with our families as well as our students. Well, I know you weren't working at these schools when Georgia Pre-K began, uh, but do you have any stories you'd like to share with us on how it was 
16 years ago or back in 1995, maybe not 1992, that very first year with 750, but any stories from, you know, previous years in Georgia's pre-K classroom? Stephanie, I'll start with you. Okay. Well, um, it did begin in, in Glen County in 92, and we only had two of the pilot classes, and they had 18 students in each class. Um, one thing that um, I remember the teachers telling me before I came on in 95 is that it was really cool that they did the family style meals. So the teachers for breakfast and lunch, you know, it would be like you're at home and you're serving your students um, with the meals and having those social conversations and that language rich environment you're having during those meal times. In addition to having those two classes in Glen County, we were also fortunate to have the hippie program. And that was the home instruction for parents of preschool youngsters. So the hippie teacher would actually go into the homes, which they would consider like home visits, and provide resources and instruction for the parents as well as the, the students um, that were not able to get into the pre-K class. And remember back then, it was for at-risk students only. Right. So that was really, really powerful that we were able to have the classes as well as the instruction in the homes. Um, and the, the other part that was really cool is Glen County has always had certified teachers, even before it became a requirement with DECAL. So we're really excited and um, happy to be able to do that and how we've grown to now have from two classes in 92 to 24 classes in 2022. So wow. what about you, Marla? So I, during this time, looking back, trying to figure out what it was like, um, I looked through a lot of photo albums and you can see some of the same similarities of smiling faces, fun family activities, um, teachers who've been in the program for a very long amount of time, all that you can, you can just see the same pictures in our, our current album. So the, it looks a lot alike. But I will say this, what's changed for our program is our community over the last 30 years has changed. And so we have a lot more currently demographics of children who speaks dual languages. And that was not something you saw in our neighborhood 30 years ago. So those kinds of things we saw the changes. And the funny story this year has been, we actually have two of our children in our Georgia pre-K classroom this year, whose parents went into our program during, must've been close to those pilot years. Wow. Um, and it was, so they think back of our program as having fond memories and they wanted to bring their children here. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, and really interesting to think about, you know, we're, we're asked a lot about the value of Georgia's pre-K program and working with children at this young age. What would you say is the program's greatest value? Marla, why don't you start? So I would say a child in our child care center program up until the age of four, um, the Georgia pre-K really does further extends what we've already been building on for the first three years. Um, it's all based on play-based programming. Um, so the children who have aged up throughout the program feel very secure and confident in joining classroom activities, listening and answering questions about a book, joining others in centers and in the playground, and saying goodbye to their parent without tears. So for us, watching for those who haven't been in our program the previous years, it's really those are the benefits that await them in our Georgia Pre-K program. They have those same opportunities to explore and to build skills and confidence and just become much more independent, which is what we see throughout the Georgia Pre-K year. And it's fun for us to see the difference. Um, and they just become a more well-rounded you know, individual mm. and all at no expense to the parents. Right. I couldn't have said it better myself. I love the way you did that. <laughs> Stephanie, how about you? I agree with Marla 100%. 
Um, we're all about building those strong relationships with our families and our students. And um, the early intervention is the key. In order for our children to be successful, we have got to start with them early and, and give them those strong foundational skills that they need. As Marla mentioned, our children in pre-K learn through play. So um, all of those experiences and those hands-on things are so important for them to continue to learn and grow and be prepared for kindergarten. Um, providing those family engagement opportunities are, are, are crucial as well. You know, um, we have an open door policy. We are so grateful COVID is over and we can welcome parents back into our buildings and do those things that we did prior to COVID. Um, and we want them to continue to, to take an active role in their child's education because they were their, their child's first teacher. So um, just helping them and giving them those resources that they need um, to help the children at home as well as when they're in our classrooms. Mm-hmm. Well, Stephanie, over the past 30 years, how has a program changed the most in your opinion? Um, I guess the first thing that stands out to me is in 1995, when I was in the pre-K classroom, we had resource coordinators and they were a huge, huge help for us um, because they provided those family engagement opportunities weekly, as well as a big activity monthly. Um, It wasn't that we weren't still in contact with our parents daily. Um, We were fortunate that our parents would come in the building and sign their children in and sign them out. So we had those informal conversations with our parents but our resource coordinators really helped them in a lot of different ways and connecting them with resources within the community that they might not be aware of. We saw an increase of class sizes when it first started. I think it was like 16 students and now we're at 22 students. And um, the last several years we've had the, um, we've had lots of grants that we've been able to um, apply for and or receive from the Striving Readers Grant, which is now the L4GA. So we have a lot of extra money for literacy and purchasing books for the students. Um, Our social emotional curriculum, we use a cellular glitter and that just really helps those students be able to understand those big emotions that four and five year olds don't know how to handle and, and what to do with them. Um, We also have a Take 5 program where students are able to have books and um, activities sent home that their parents can do with them. Our standards have changed over the years. We used to have content standards, and now we have the Georgia Early Learning and Developmental Standards known as our GELs. Technology has increased tremendously. Um, Back in the day, you know, I had no computer in my classroom, (laughs) and now that is a common. Um, Everybody has either the regular desktop computers, we had smart boards, now we're in Promethean boards, all the students have Chromebooks, iPads, and assessments have changed. Originally, we were all paper pencil with our child observation record, our core, and now we've moved to work sampling online and, um, you know, the web-based electronic um, assessment is just great and so much easier for teachers to be able to capture things from pictures to work samples and be able to share all of the wonderful things that are going on in the classroom with our parents during those conferences is so meaningful. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a lot. Marla, <laughs> Any, anything to add? To that? So I went a different route. So okay. um, I think for me, what's changed most over the last 30 years is the rules and regulations from right from the start. And I think with all those rules, guidelines and suggestions, right from the start has made it easier for us to feel supported. So there are many more resources available online for administrators, for parents, and for teachers um, that we never feel like we're on an island all by ourselves. Um, And that for me is probably the main thing that has changed. 
Also from in our program in the beginning, many of the original teachers um, taught what I would say is old school methods. Um, and so they'd been in the business for a long time and things like rote memorization, things that they focused on. And they really had, you know, right from the start made all those, and with, you know, for Georgia Pre-K made all those changes to be able to say, what is best practice? And what does that look like in training for teachers and um, more guidelines? And so they were able to either implement the new way of doing things or those decided to retire. And we had a whole new group of teachers coming in um, who've learned, who are, you know, being taught how to do best practices. Um, so I like also that the Georgia Pre-K dictated the quantity and types of equipment deemed necessary for best practices, which then brought more resources for our younger age children. Um, so it really has, that's for us has changed the most the amount of equipment in classrooms have, and your best centers have really changed drastically starting with the Georgia Pre-K program. Well, you both experienced the impact of COVID-19 and later the Delta variant. How did that impact your teaching in Pre-K and how did you meet those challenges? And then how is attendance looking now in your classrooms? Marla, let's start with you. Um, while COVID impacted our numbers in 2020 and 2021, we're actually completely full in all three of our classrooms this year. Um, so I think for us, the hardest challenge during COVID was really helping our staff deal with the ever-changing world and uncertainty of everything in life. And how can we best support our staff in this best stability that we possibly can? So we, when we closed down for three months, we paid 100% of our staff, all of their, you know, their tuition, their salary. And we gave them guidelines as to what we wanted them to do. We created all new rules for uh, COVID to help them feel like they are secure, that we're looking out for the best interests of their health and safety. Um, so things like having created a car, a carpool, which we've never had in the past. And it was not, that wasn't what uh, we wanted to have in our program because we really wanted the parents to be able to come in and feel connected with our school. But we felt that we needed to do that so the administrators came in early every morning to be able to hold a carpool lane. Um, things like having everybody in the building wear a mask, including children. And we spent a lot of emotion, uh, a lot of our resources just providing stability and emotional stability and support to our staff. Um, the staff saw how much time and money we invested in their health and safety which I think really paid off because we kept nearly 95% of our staff from mm. 2020 onward. So I think they, they still felt connected that we were all in it together. Um, but that was the hardest part is just making sure that we all felt in, in crazy times that we were all going through this together. Right. Stephanie, how about in Glen County? It was very challenging as everyone experienced. Um, you know, sometimes being in a pre-K classroom can be challenging to keep all of our wonderful babies' attention, but doing it virtually was really, really tough. So um, it was hard for teachers to keep them engaged when they're not right there with them. And, um, you know, providing them with the activities to take home, um, trying to get the activities to them. Um, some students had parents that were very supportive and right there with them virtually and could help, but some of our students were not that fortunate. So it was really, really tough keeping them engaged and being able to move forward um, doing it virtually. Attendance was a concern. Some students were not able to attend every day virtually, um, so it was kind of hit and miss on some days. And then when we were able to return back to face-to-face, not everyone was comfortable doing that. You know, everybody was in a different place and it is all about 
um, everyone feeling safe, even though we had all of those precautions put in place, as Marla mentioned, from the mask and hand washing more often than normal, um, there were still some, some concerns. So I feel like our students um, needed, didn't get those social interactions um, due to COVID because they were not able to be here. So we were very grateful when um, that was lifted. And, you know, during that time, we had to have um, assigned seats. And that's not something that you do in pre-K. Um, you don't um, close down centers, but we couldn't have like housekeeping or dramatic play and, and things of that nature. And, and that's really, really hard um, because our students are, are constantly learning through their play. So um, we were able to get through all of those challenges, um, even though it was interesting and we are grateful we are back to regular pre-K now. Um, we were fortunate that our school system really supported our parents and, and the students that needed the technology in their home to uh, participate virtually were given that. We um, were able to address some of the social emotional issues um, that came up, but you know we are so grateful to be back and things are, are back to normal and um, we are rocking it in pre-K. All right. Well, as we've talked about today, we are celebrating the 30th birthday of Georgia Pre-K, but I would love to hear, uh, and I'll start with you, Marla, what are your future hopes for Georgia's Pre-K program over the next 30 years? I hope to be able to see the program grow even stronger, serving more children overall with smaller class sizes. And that's going to be my key part for this. We saw how much of a difference it made during COVID when the classrooms averaged 18 students compared to when they're full of 22. And teachers were really able to make a difference with each child the more time they had just, they were able to spend with them individually. Um, the other thing I also hope to be able to see in 30 years, and hopefully it won't take 30 years to see, um, be able to increase the pay for not only lead teachers, but I'm at the point of really looking at the assistant teachers who do just as much work in the classroom, not as much the paperwork, but just they are equal co-teachers in the classroom. And it's it's really hard to be able to bring somebody, a quality person in. And what we've ended up doing is we've doubled, almost doubled the pay for our assistant teachers um, just to be able to compete and be able to keep our teachers. And so we've been able to keep them through the whole, you know, at least five years. Um, but that's because we pay almost double what Right From The Start gives us. So I would say that those are the two things that, you know, smaller class sizes, having more classes um, to serve more and to having better salary for, for the staff. And Stephanie, what about you? One of my biggest hopes and dreams is to be able to see pre-K mandatory for all four and five-year-olds. Um, you know, kindergarten wasn't like that when I was a child. And um, now it is. So I would love to be able to have all of our four-year-olds attend pre-K and um, be afforded that opportunity and not turned away due to limited space or lack of space. So I hope we get to see that one day. And just the universal acceptance of pre-K. Pre-K is real school. It's not um, a daycare or come when you want. We're a full day, wonderful, wonderful academic and social um, program that our students need to be prepared for kindergarten. And um, we, we hope to see that coming really soon. Well, Marla and Stephanie, you guys have been great ambassadors for Georgia's pre-K program and uh, happy 30th birthday to your pre-K classes. Looking forward to the next 30 years. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much. Now, what are your questions for Commissioner Jacobs? Let's go to the water cooler. 
Hi, my name is Alice Lassiter and I work in the pre-K division um, living here in Winder, Georgia. And my question for Commissioner Jacobs is, uh, we are always encouraging our children to read more. What was your favorite book as a child? Alice, thank you for your question. And you're right. Uh, reading uh, is so important, especially, you know, as parents to young children, reading from the day they're born or even before they're born is so important. And it's hard for me to remember uh, my favorite book as a child since having my children is a little bit more recent. And I'll tell you, their favorite book um, was Goodnight Moon. And my husband and I absolutely still have that memorized and can still recite it. Uh, we read it so many times and it's definitely just become a keepsake for us. Um, and so their favorite book was um, Goodnight Moon. And we'll always remember that one as my kid's favorite. That's a sweet story. I mean, you really can't help but like that one. We actually asked that same question uh, that Alice asked on our social media the other day. We asked favorite children's book. And uh, let me give you a couple of them. See if you're familiar with these. Bad Case of Stripes. No. <laughs> I haven't heard of that. The Giving Tree. Yes. Chicka Chicka Boom Boom. Oh, yeah, definitely. Is that a good one? Yeah. Uh, Giraffe and a Half. No, I don't know that one. And Shell Silverstein. Anything by sure. Shell Silverstein's pretty good. Oh, maybe it's Giraffe and a Half by oh, Shell Silverstein. Maybe so. I don't know Giraffe okay. and a Half, but I know Shell Silverstein. If you give a mouse a cookie. Yeah, definitely. And they say any of the books from that any collection. Any of those, right. Uh, Amy Hest and her books about a bear named Sam. I don't think I know those. And then something called Kiss Goodnight. Okay. Uh, Room on a Broom. Okay. Or Room on the Broom. That might be a good Halloween. I don't know. Yeah. I have to check it out. Can't endorse it because I haven't seen it, but <laughs> we'll see. Uh, Count the Monkeys by Mac Barnett. Mm -hmm. Pete the Cat and his four groovy buttons. Those are the whole series of Pete oh, the yeah. Cat. Oh, yeah. We know Pete the Cat. Yeah. Uh, here's one Chrysanthemum. Oh, I like that one. Uh, Dragons Love Tacos. Mm -hmm. I've, I have read that. That's actually mm -hmm. a cute book. Mm hmm. Um, I love the books that the is a little something kind of hidden in there for the parents, little right. sense of humor, you know, little exactly. catchphrase. Uh, the very hungry, hungry caterpillar, classic. Uh, the rainbow fish. Mm -hmm. I, I have not seen this one, but I love you, stinky face by Lisa <laughs> McCourt. <laughs> <laughs> I like the name. I like it. Um, and and a couple of people seconded that emotion. Llama llama. Oh yeah, those are so good. Popular. Uh, I love you forever. Mm -hmm. Molly Lou Mellon. Uh, Berenstein Bears. Pig the Pug series. Don't push the button series. And there's a monster in your book. I've, I don't know if I've seen that. But mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, several others. Um, Lily's Purple Plastic Purse. Uh, God Made Me Special. Napping House. Uh, Llama Llama, another one. And then Caps for Sale. Oh, yeah. Caps for sale. Which is not about our CAPS program, by right. the way. We just right. need to clarify that. That's it's right. actual CAPS for sale. That's right. All right. So there, if, if you didn't have a list, there's your long list. Thanks to our friends on social media. Some good ones. Mm -hmm. And it's time to give you a chance at winning a nice prize in the decal download quiz. We'll draw one name from all the correct answers to this question. Email your response to decaldownload at decal.ga. Gov. Here's the question. Name one of the two teachers who joined us this week to reflect on the past 30 years of Georgia's pre-K program. Name one of the two teachers who joined us this week 
to reflect on the past 30 years of Georgia's pre-K program. Send your response to decal download at decal.ga.gov. We'll pull one name from all the correct answers and you could win a nice prize. Thanks for playing and good luck. Thanks for listening to the decal download podcast. The Georgia Department of Early Care and Learning improves outcomes for children and families by strengthening early learning experiences in partnership with early education programs, professionals, stakeholders, families, and communities. Their vision is that every child in Georgia will have equal access to high-quality early care and education. For more information, visit their website at decal.ga.gov. Join the conversation at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Follow Commissioner Jacobs on Twitter at C-O-M-M Jacobs. Thank you.